great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers the Pod. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined by my brother and the other host of this show, Nick. And Nick is sporting a Rams Brothers hat, a Jaguars mug, Mario Golf in the background. It's a good day to be a football fan. How are you, Nick? Oh, great. Divisional rounds, zero stress. Um, I'm happy with any outcome. As long as the 49ers lose, I'm good. 49ers potentially losing the Eagles and the and the Giants tonight. Um, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. Bills and Bengals tomorrow, right? It's going to be a, a divisional round powerhouse, which is going to be certainly fun to watch. And all of our stock will be invested in potentially the Cowboys and knocking Brock Purdy off of the table. So uh, I guess that's how we'll preface the episode is um, anger towards the 49ers, dedicated love towards the Cowboys, potentially ending their season, quarterback controversy in San Francisco, if that does in fact happen. All things that we're rooting for. Are we going to cover Nick's picks at the end of the episode, or you want to jump in first? To Nick's well, pick? I mean, I say we switch it up. Let's just start it off. Let's start it off. Go ahead. All right. Well, switch it up. as you can see, I do have my Jaguars mug again, as Dean so lovingly pointed out. I just want to give you a couple Dougie P <laughs> stats, okay? Yeah, it's here. Uh, postseason Dougie P is 6-0 and against the spread. Including a Super Bowl, and he's he, he's been an underdog every time, and he's five and one straight up. <laughs> That's Dougie P for you. And he's always been an underdog. Now I think they have the largest line, the Jaguars and the Chiefs. That's got to be the largest. I think it's plus nine, which is the largest spread amongst all four games. Ooh. So Giants Eagles is plus eight, Bengals and Bills is plus five and a half. And Cowboys and 49ers is plus four. So Interesting. it's the it's in fact the largest spread, which means it potentially has the greatest chance to cover. Yeah, I I'm not gonna sit here and say I think the Jaguars are gonna win. Actually, I am. <laughs> I think the Jaguars are gonna win. I don't know. I do. I don't know about it. Patrick Mahomes has never played in an away playoff game. I don't think he's ever lost a home. Well, he's lost home playoff games, but I don't think that um, he's ever had even had the opportunity to play in an away playoff game yet. And his playoff, he's already got eight playoff wins compared to Trevor Lawrence and Dougie P. Six and zero against the spread. Dougie P. Trevor Lawrence is now one and zero in the playoffs. Um, you know, you're going to maybe you go experience over the team that seems a little bit more inexperienced in this spot. Team that hasn't been to the divisional round in six years in the Jaguars, which to me is pretty impressive considering the state of the franchise. Yeah, two I, divisional round appearances and an AFC championship appearance in the last six years or so for the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot of organizations would be, you know, hard pressed to root against that. So I, between the peaks and valleys, yeah, valleys in, in Duval Nation, they were like two and six at one point. They turned it around. 
Um, always got to beware of the team that sneaks into the playoffs because, you know, it's house money at that yep. point. They are playing with, like, you know, your money, essentially. So they're just, like, running the table for fun. And, you know, they came back when the third third uh, biggest um, comebacks in NFL history and then in the playoffs. And then let me just backtrack. Was that 2018 Kansas City Patriots game? That was in Kansas City? AFC Championship? I want to say yes. Wow. Never played in a white playoff game, Patrick. Bonds. That's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So well, it's good for him. I mean, illustrious career. He may have to go somewhere else if he, you know, makes it past this round because it'll be a neutral field. Well, it's going to be a neutral. Right. And that's what I think the whole league is rooting for is a potential Bills and Bengals AFC Championship game. The Bengals and the Jaguars definitely have something to say about that, right? Two road dogs. In, in situations, the Bengals obviously a little bit more battle-tested coming off of last year. Zach Taylor is a good coach in those situations. Showed in previous years that they could overcome this kind of adversity. So I, I don't want to necessarily say I'm rooting for the underdogs, but I'm rooting for some madness to happen in the AFC and NFC this weekend. So well, some things that people aren't expecting to, to you know throw a dagger in the playoffs. From a gambling standpoint, um, I'm going to take Jags money line because it's $100 to win essentially four. It's like three ninety. dollars um, okay. So you take that and then go a little heavier on Jags plus nine. So then, then that way, you know, there's a chance where you're up huge or there's a chance where, you know, you're down like two fifty. dollars um, if the Jaguars don't cover that, or there's a chance you're just up 50. If you go 150 on the plus nine, yep. um, to me, I feel like plus nine is it's a lot to give a team that certainly has proven that they're supposed to be here. I mean, throw four picks, then you stick with your guys, and then you you know rally and win the game. Yeah, um, I do have to say though, I, I watched the highlight of Brett Favre. I think it was the, in the divisional round against the Rams in 2020, 2001. It was mm -hmm. the year where the Rams potentially had the best roster in the history of the Rams organization. Brett Favre threw six interceptions in that game. Mm -hmm. And I think they stuck with him over the next couple of years. So yeah, if you feel like you have the guy, right? If you feel like Trevor Lawrence is the guy that's going to take you to the promised land, you throw four half, four first half interceptions and overcome a 27 point deficit throughout all of that. I mean, you're, you're definitely battle tested and in the position to, if you minimize those turnovers, you could take control of the game. Yeah. And moving on, because I think that's enough about the Jags. Um, I think they are deserving to be there. I think the Bills minus four and a half, love that. The yep. Bills right now are the team of destiny. Um, they have everything on their side. Um, and I know everybody wants to talk about Joe Burr. I mean, Joe Burr shouldn't even really be here right now if Tyler Huntley just dove under and didn't jump up. Right. Um, I, I am not scared of the Bills or of uh, uh, the Bengals. I think the Bengals should be scared of the Bills, and I don't think they are. Um, I think that O line is going to get smashed. And at the end of the day, I think just a smart gambling manifesto, as Bill Simmons would say, is just bet, bet on the team with the better pass rush. Because mm -hmm. the team with the better pass rush is going to disrupt. Um, I also like the under a lot in that game. For that very yeah. reason, because I don't I think do. they're going to have a lot of time to get get these throws out, and I don't trust Joe Burrow. I, I say it all the time. I don't know why this this young quarterback is getting all the respect in the world for losing the Super Bowl. I've never seen it happen that way before.
I mean, yeah, two things. I feel like that that Dolphins game against the Bills, the fact that they kept were able to keep that game so close to me makes me a little weary of the four and a half point spread. I think it actually goes in the other way to where the Bengals could potentially cover the spread. I don't think four and a half is a lock by any means. And then there's Joe Burrow. You know what? I saw the video as it was coming back up on, on our Twitter feed was Joe Burrow introducing himself to Eric Weddle, to Andrew Whitworth, to the entire Rams' defense. Hi, I'm Joe. How you doing? It reminded me a lot of Sean McVay and Bill Belichick in the 2018 Super Bowl. You live and you learn, right? You make mistakes. You cannot be too friendly in those situations. You can't be too forthcoming. But being the young quarterback that he is and already having the Super Bowl appearance that he does, a lot of the, the comparables came back to Dan Marino, one Super Bowl appearance in his first couple of years, and then never went back again. I think it's a it's a different situation. Joe Burrow is unbelievably talented enough. If I were looking for a prospect in terms of a quarterback in the first couple of rounds, he would be the template of the kind of quarterback that I'd want to draft, right? Obviously, first overall pick, unbelievable college experience, similar to Trevor Lawrence, right? That that to me are those two guys, the template of, of who I'd want to be focusing on in terms of a draft. Mahomes, Justin Herbert, guys that are a little bit mobile, that yeah. have the ability to take shots. Uh, extreme arm talent. I mean, it, it, I feel like it could go either way. I think there's going to be a blunder in this game. I think there's going to be a Josh Allen blunder, and I think there's also going to be a Zach Taylor blunder. Um, and I think they're going to offset each other, automatic first down. Um, I would be shocked <laughs> if uh, Zach Taylor can outcoach Sean McDermott, because I think McDermott is a great defensive mind, and I like I just like them so much more. And that's somebody they didn't have to face last year to get to the Super Bowl. I think it's yeah. somebody they would have lost to had well, they had the, faced them. It's also the first game um, since Demar Hamlin mm-hmm. that they've been playing against each other, right? So Demar Hamlin could potentially be on the sideline of this game. Well, that's the team of destiny. Yeah, it's, it's definitely very that's much I mean the team of that. destiny, but. But if you go back to that game where where Hamlin unfortunately suffered the cardiac arrest and the game had to be stopped and was then officially canceled, the the Bengals drove right down the field. Yeah, right. It's seven nothing game before you even know it. I think the the Bills drove down, kicked a field goal, and the Bengals had the ball again and were marching down the field again. So how as much of a great as as great of a defensive mind as Sean McDermott is, there is definitely a situation where the Bengals could come out hot and the Bills have to consistently play from behind. And then you're afraid of the Josh Allen turnover that could be inevitable in the red zone or after a drive is already being put together. So, Right. I, I, I think the Bills' ability to score fast with big, giant chunk plays is going to come into effect. Um, also, just like I'm going to logically think about every single one of these games, but I think the smart move is just to take the under on every single one because – People like me a couple of years ago are going to look at it and just think of like a final score in their head. And they're like, oh, this is going to, this could potentially be like 30 to 35, you know, final score. How often does that happen though? This late into the playoffs. I think every under hit last time, uh, like this time last year. Yeah. The wild card. Every game was decided by a field goal. I think we were eight for eight in the wild card round in terms of overs being hit. Right, right. So I and which I think more people are just going to lean over. I, I, I'm going to take every under that's going to be a part of my play. I'm just going to have a lot of plays for you guys today. Honestly, Good. as you yeah. should. I so what's your what's your official play? You're taking the Bills to cover the five and a half. Taking Bills. Oh, is it five and a half? Five and a half. Right. 
adjusted line, give me Bills minus four and a half, which is what I got it at when it came out. So mm-hmm. you're going to have to buy some to come back to that. I don't like five and a half. I like four and a half. Um, and then I'm also going to take uh, Jacksonville plus nine. Then I'm going to take Jacksonville money line. I'm going to take all four unders. And then let's talk about Giants, Giants Eagles, because my mom, our mom, just texted me and said, she said, go, go Eagles or go Giants. I said, which way are you leaning? And she said, <laughs> Giants. So our, uh, our grandfather uh, was a big Giants fan uh, as we were growing up. So in the 2000 Super Bowl, one of my first second or third core football memories is after the Rams won the Super Bowl in 99, we hosted a Super Bowl party in 2000 and it was giants versus Ravens. And my mom, because she had a white tablecloth that was disposable, decided to get out a Sharpie and write giants in big bold letters because there was an affiliation between her and her father. And, and I think that actually turned the way that we ended up rooting for that game in favor of the giants. But Nick, here's the caveat. The giants have not won in Philadelphia in 13 years. There's yeah. Your, there's your caveat. So it's, it's, Here's my it's caveat. going to be a nearly impossible game for the Giants to win unless unless the Eagles' rushing offense is drastically scaled back because they're afraid of sustaining or not being able to sustain Jalen Hurts throughout the entire playoff ride. Here is my – and I know everybody that's talking about the Giants won't shut up about 2007. I'm just going to join them. Um, <laughs> in 2007 – the Giants went into, in the divisional round, went into Dallas to play Tony Romo. That's my quarterback, that whole game. Um, and that was essentially like they haven't they hadn't won in Dallas in like seven years going into that point. And they go in there and they, and they crush them. Um, yep. And the similarities between this team and that team are just astronomical. Uh, I love wildcard Danny Jones. I want to take the Giants. I'm going to be watching with Eagles fans. And then the other part of the story is our da- our grandfather on the other side, our dad's He's a dad, Eagles fan, giant Eagles fan, to the point where it's almost like rude that our dad wasn't an Eagles fan. Um, but he wasn't. He's a Rams fan. And now, you know, we have a podcast talking about the Rams, uh, even though this episode we haven't talked about it once yet. We will but- <laughs> we will. Um, it's just funny because now it's it, it just feels like you know battle of the grandfathers. I'm gonna be happy either way. Um, this game, I think I'm gonna take, and I and I, I I I do not have a lot of confidence, but I like eight points. I'm gonna take the eight and then just like close my eyes and watch it and try not to root for the Giants as I am smothered by Eagles fans. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take the Giants to cover the spread and then Oh, I'm yeah, no, that's what I have. Yeah, okay. So John, okay, Giants to cover the 8 points spread. Um and I'm also going to take I want to parlay that with Boston Scott and Dallas Goddard scoring touchdowns. Hmm. So I I, well, I want to see the Giants cover the spread. I want to see those two touchdown those two touchdowns happen. You'll probably get the odds at like plus fifteen hundred. Maybe why would they actually like? I understand he's the Giants killer, um, but what? Why would the Eagles legitimately have him out there for the memes? Just for the memes? Well, he returned a punt the last time they played one another. I think he had two carries up until the eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, and then he right. Well, they back. were up like. Yeah. You know, thirty-one to two. Yeah, the um, I, the reason why 
is because it's I think he's got 60% of his total touchdowns against the Giants. It seems like in a red zone situation, sometimes they'll put the ball in his hands. As a pass catch, catcher in the red zone, they'll potentially put the ball in his hands. And Dallas Goddard is the same kind of situation, right? He always scores against the Giants. So, And you know what's making a lot of money? I have to be honest. Whenever I look at Twitter and I see these people put in these four touchdown score, five touchdown scores, the odd gets all the way odd get all the way up to like, you know, a plus one hundred and fifty thousand. You put ten dollars yeah. to make one hundred thousand dollars, which is a ridiculous bet. So take a shot in one of these. Maybe you take four touchdown scores across all four games. If I were to do that, here are my four: Travis Kelsey. Yep. Uh, Josh Allen. Yep. Oh. Danny Dimes, and what game am I missing? Oh, Jalen? Oh, Pollard. 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 Oh, I like that so much. I might even have to throw that in. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You're going to get I ridiculous love that. odds. You'll get you know, ridiculous. You know those two quarterbacks are going to squeak in there. And I think I, I think across the four games, I'd go, I'd go, um, George Kittle. Tomorrow night, I would go Travis Yetney for the Jags. Mm. I would go Danny Dimes or Jalen Hurts, whichever, to score a touchdown. And then I would also go Josh Allen. So go crazy for touchdown score and and go nuts. Try to make some money. Throw $10 on it and and get rich. And then my last bet is going to be my quick pick. And this one comes from love. Uh, I am a Cowboys fan this week, big time. (laughs) Let's go, boys. Hold up, hold up. We the boys. Yes, the 49ers situation is so fascinating uh, because you're. I mean, it's it's very similar to what the Rams were dealing with last year, right? Just, in, in it's hard in for me to hand drop already, Dean. Yeah, in the grand scheme of it, it's it's very comparable to where it seems like all investment, right? They traded away two, three first round picks to get Trey Lance to draft Trey Lance. Trey Lance may be a, a, a contender or a person that they want to trade eventually. And then the Jimmy Garoppolo situation is unique on its own, right? He's going to be healthy potentially for the NFC Championship game if he comes back. Like you're rolling the dice with Brock Purdy. You get knocked out in this round, and it all comes crumbling down, right? You're out of the first round. You have a very similar draft capital that the Rams have had over the past three, four years where you're you're heavy in the third round, you're heavy in the fourth, fifth round, and then you're heavy again in the seventh round, but nothing in the first two rounds to be able to support the foundation of your organization for the next couple of years. Rams do it a little bit differently, but the 49ers are definitely, definitely, definitely in an all-in situation for this weekend. Yeah. And look, it it worked for the Rams last year. Their quarterback have come tumbling down, but it's been a while since like a goofy, you know, backup guy came in and led a team since 2018 or 2017 with, with Nick Foles to a Super Bowl, And, that's the kind of magic that you want on your side. And it's mm-hmm. real. I promise you it's real. I've been saying it from the, from the beginning of the playoffs. I think it's going to be Niners bills. Um, you got the team of destiny with the bills. And then you got like, you know, the Niners, which is the most well put together roster um, outside of the quarterback position. But this kid's playing lights out. Like, you know, I, we can't even really kid ourselves. He's, he's like to the point where he's doing more. That's that needs to be asked of him. He's making throws when they really should just be running the ball. But he's like, no, I mean, I'm going to go out. If I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out on top. And there are reports that are already saying he has proven enough to be the starter next year. Yeah. Which is like, I don't know why you would make that call already. A couple of things with with Purdy Boy. 
I guess um, you want to give him the confidence now to be like, look, we trust you. We have been waiting for somebody to come in here and kind of lead this team the way that should be led. And lo and behold, it's young little 23-year-old um, babyface cousin Sal, which he kind of right. looks like. Yeah, <laughs> not a bad, not a bad comparison. Purdy, uh, his receivers are averaging the most distance in terms of depth, averaged away from a defensive back. So separation is not hard to come by when you're San Francisco. Kyle Shannon also schemes up an incredible run game. Colin or Christian McCaffrey ran through a hole last weekend that I think you, me, our mom, our cousin, everybody could have ran through that all collectively at the same time the hole was that large. The way that they scheme games is so fascinating. Purdy's been asked to make, I would say, maybe 20% of his of of 100% plays where he's got to kind of go off script. He's got to kind of, you know, run out of the pocket, make something happen at the last time. I don't think based on arm talent, right, if you knock him around a little bit and you get him off script consistently, that's where there's going to be mistakes made. But it's it's so hard. The thing you have to do against the 49ers is get a lead, right? So the Cowboys, the same way that they did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you go up 14-0, you go up 18-0, whatever it was, before Brett Maher missed seven extra points. You know, you could really get yourself off to a significant lead. And then that's where the 49ers are going to have to kind of come back. And when you lack explosive plays, when you, you lack the 60-yard bomb downfield, you know, you lack the defensive pass interference call that gets you in a better position, that's going to be where they they struggle. If they can consistently run the ball the way that the 49ers always do, control time of possession, and then just you know wear teams down to the third and fourth quarter, end up with 38 points on the board, they're going to be impossible to knock off, which is where they're trending. So it's very, very difficult to, to evaluate who the 49ers <laughs> truly are outside of the fact that it seems like they're just a massive juggernaut. Yeah. And just remember, everybody, you can place all these bets at Bet Online. Basketball's back. It's always been back. It's been back for a while now. We need a new ad read. It remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, always the easiest. Bet Online, that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BLEAV, believe, spelled funny, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. I'm going to run through my picks real fast. Let's hear them. Jags plus nine, Jags money line for the Duvals, for Dougie P. New York plus eight, Cowboys money line with my heart, under in every game, and then tiny sprinkle. On this, just just sprinkle a little bit on this, and it could cover everything if we lose everything else. Pollard anytime touchdown scorer, Kelsey, Kelsey anytime touchdown scorer, Danny Dimes anytime touchdown scorer, Josh Allen, and I I went ham today. I'm sorry. Uh, I had a good week. I bet on some weird NHL games. I'm already <laughs> up, so now I just feel like I'm playing with house money. So I just made a bunch of bets. You're playing with house money for sure. Okay. Transitioning over to the Rams and solely the Rams, right? It's going to be a great weekend of football. But as all of this divisional round stuff is happening, the Rams are continuing their coaching search, right? So Sean McVay, once he returned to the Rams about a week ago or so at this point, um, staff changes were expected. It's been reported. It was reported by um, um, it was reported by Jordan Rodriguez. It was re reported by Field. What's his name? I can't remember his name. The young kid, Field something. I don't know why his no, name is. 
slipping my mind. Um, offensive line coach Kevin Carberry, special teams coordinator Joe D. Camillus, defensive backs coach Jonathan Cooley, and assistant defensive line Skylar Jones, and defensive assistant Lance Schulters will not be returning per source. That is a ton, a ton of names. But You're that's how it should be. Yeah. They, it was a horrible season, and you should absolutely clean house. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing, right? It's the offensive line obviously struggled through the first 12, 13 weeks of the season. Absolutely no continuity. Once the offensive line was able to build some form of continuity, players were able to stay healthy. They seemed like they were a much different team over the last three or four weeks. So that's, I'm not sure if the opportunity to evaluate better talent throughout the season fell through the cracks or just the, the mere fact that the injuries were so impossible to overcome from an offensive standpoint that the finger had to be pointed in one direction or the other, similar to the way that Mike LaFleur got fired, right? So it's when you have so many moving pieces and you're an offensive assistant or you're an offensive coordinator or you're a, an offensive line coach and the team goes five and 12 and it seems like the biggest deficiency on the entire roster is one position group, you're going to be the one that has to go. And we talked about Joe D. Camillus also over the past three or four years since he's been here. It has been a lackluster special teams unit outside of Brandon Powell and Matt Gay, right? You lose Johnny Hecker, who's a captain. You bring in Riley Dixon, who was average, nothing better than average. Brandon Powell was a kid that you know, you potentially tried to intertwine into the offense, truly a special teams player that they eventually wanted to groom into a supplemental player that could run some form of offense and help you in, in key situations. And Matt Gay has been consistent. But without those two guys, I feel like that's just a unit holistically that we would just consistently bash. And it's 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 in, inexcusable because you could win games via special teams plays. Yeah, I mean... I love what Powell did. Matt Gay has been a savior since like the 2020 season. Yeah. Um, when we needed him to come in and he stepped up hugely. You lost Greg the leg and then there was some indecision in terms of who you were going to potentially fill in that position. And Matt Gay right. comes out of nowhere, was cut from the Tampa Bay Bucks, and joined the Rams and was perfect ever since. Hmm. So what do you, what do you do there? Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not even going to pretend like I know <laughs> like a lot of special teams coordinators and who I'm going to bring in. No, I just want somebody with energy that, that like, you know, truly gives a crap. Yeah. I mean, like that's what I was talking about earlier on in the season. Like you have to just kind of be able to look and see who is the potential next up and coming special teams coordinator. Like I remember John Harbaugh. Right. Like John Harbaugh was the special teams coordinator for the Eagles in 20 in 1999, 1998, 99, 2000, eventually went on to get a head coaching job with the Ravens. Right. So you want somebody that's young, up and coming, that has the potential to grow outside of a special teams coordinator role. If you could be a special teams coordinator, eventually grow into an offensive assistant, a tight ends coach. Um, you know, whatever that may be, a quarterback's coach, you're showing the potential to grow outside of the norm and then also be able to help another position group in total, right? So that's that's the thing about the Rams' staff, which is really interesting. I'm going to share my screen really quick just to give you a peek at what the staff looks like right now. Right, so there's Raheem and Joe DiCamillis, defense coordinator, special teams. Liam Cohn is gone, mm-hmm. right? So potentially having to fill the vacancy of three coordinators which is going to be rather difficult kj black we talked about coaching fellow 
guess he's sticking around for another year at coaching fellow. Mm. But then you got guys that are in hybrid roles, right? So Thomas Brown, assistant head coach, tight ends coach. That's the McVay track to becoming a head coach in the NFL, right? You want to have both of those position groups checked off. He did both of them throughout his career in Washington. So Thomas Brown, hybrid role. You look at some of these other guys, Chris Shula, pass game coordinator and defensive backs coach. So he's coaching on both sides of the ball, right? You want somebody that could potentially fill, come in and, and, and take away some responsibilities from somebody that's been here for eight years and now has all of this responsibility on both sides of the ball. Difficult. Zach Robinson, another guy that's up and coming. Quarterbacks pass game coordinator. That's a lot of responsibility. Zach Cromer is another guy you want to stick around. Greg Olson, you want him to stick around. Eric sure. Henderson, Eric Henderson is Aaron Donald's best friend. You know, you need him to, to still be on the roster. So I think for the most part, Jonathan Quibley is going to be gone. Kevin Carberry is going to be gone. You still keep Thad. You know, you're keeping your core. Skylar Jones is going to be gone. Jake Peets potentially sticks around. So as long as I think you, you keep the core of coaches that feel like they're going to be along for the ride for the next three or four years, you're putting yourself in a good position. And if you yeah. could evaluate overall throughout the league, if there are some special teams coordinators that were let go, if there were coaches that seem like they're trying to climb the ladder and get to the next phase of coaching throughout the next five years or so, I think that's what McVeigh is evaluating in total, right? Guys that can consistently rise in their position and become a better coach for the entire team. You know, part of me was like, well, he's not going to deal with the mass around amount of turnaround this year because he's not going to get poached a lot because these guys didn't really do a good job. So I was like, Oh, we'll, we'll probably stick with, with the same amount of people. Um, but then, you know, he was kind of like, I'm stepping away, feel free to, you know, find other jobs. And then he came back and was like, all right, well, if, if we are going to do this, I'm sorry, but you guys didn't do a good enough job. You're out of here. Yeah. So he is dealing with that turnaround all over again. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting on who he, decides is worthy enough to bring into the building. Um, despite popular belief, I think Raheem is going to stay. Um, I think that's his, that that's his like ride or die buddy. I think he thinks he can win a Super Bowl with, with Raheem if he has an offense up to his own standards. Yep. So I'm fine with him staying. Um, that's exactly how the Rams defense operated last year. It's just our offense could just never keep up. So yeah. 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 The Rams defense from year over year, it's very much like there's context in numbers. If you're going to look at, uh, you could imagine the defense was a little bit down year over year, but if you look at the offensive numbers, there's clear ever so clearly a drastic difference in production in offense. And the way that that affects the defense is you keep them off the field. You put them in better situations. You're not putting them in bad, uh, in, in bad situations in terms of the field field position, Right. So it's it's like when an offense is great, it's going to make the defense look better. When an offense is terrible, it's going to make the defense look a hell of a lot worse. And the fact that they were able to hold their own throughout this entire season without Aaron Donald for six games, you know, with with missing pieces, you could say year over year, they were still able to hold their own. So I I have faith. I, I yeah. and Raheem Raheem has to be the one piece of continuity that you keep in terms of coordinators. Like it's really, really difficult to replace an offensive, defensive, and special teams coordinator in the same offseason. Yeah. So you you want at least one guy to stick around. If that guy's Raheem, great. And you know what's really interesting too, when it comes to the comp picks, like you're hopeful that you could potentially get a comp pick if Raheem Morris walks away. But what's really interesting is according to Tankathon. 
the compensatory picks right now are listed as picks number 168, 172, 211, and 252. So those four compensatory picks, they stem from losing Von Miller, Darius Williams, Austin Corbett, and Sebastian Joseph Day in free agency last offseason. But the number of compensatory picks allotted each year is limited to the number of teams in the league, 32, per the collective bargaining agreement. But the compensatory picks are not divided equally amongst teams. And you could only, I think you could only have four in total. No team can receive more than four compensatory picks. So you already have four of them, right? You already have four and you have potentially 10 draft picks in total. So why would you want Raheem Morris to go anywhere considering you might not even get the compensatory pick back or what happens is you get the third round compensatory pick back for Raheem and your bottom compensatory pick drops out, right? Okay. So it's it's very, very interesting. But I, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that you don't need Raheem Morris to leave in order to get the amount of compensatory picks back that you want. Yeah. And while I think him leaving could you know, mix things up and it could be exciting to see who we bring in and there could be a chance where, you know, you get big Bangio and like, you know, the whole thing kind of starts over. Mm -hmm. Um, I like what we have on defense. Um, I feel like you, I've been saying that we could trade Ramsey and kind of, you know, mix it all up. But if we just get everybody back, if we have Stafford, um, yeah. I think Robert Woods might be available. You know, you bring in some normalcy, maybe Robinson steps up. Uh, like I'm fine with the 2021 team, like running it with them, yeah. you know? So, yeah. and, and I feel like that's, you know, and we haven't even talked about Donald saying that he's not retiring. Um, and I feel like he, you know, there is a smart uh, brain that they all follow on defense and it's Raheem. And I think uh, him staying is probably going to just allude to Raheem just still being around and still being the guy that, that they all trust. Well, and that's such a big thing, right? Is like you have to be able to trust the guy that's in that position. If Raheem Morris goes and walks and coaches for the, the Indianapolis Colts next year, you know, right. where does that leave Jalen Ramsey? Is the potential for him to be traded that much greater because Raheem is now out of the building? Like, I would think so. You, you same. And you've won a Super Bowl with Aaron Donald. You've won a Super Bowl with Jalen Ramsey. Those are guys like this is this is your guy in Raheem. Like you're gonna defend him to the grave. Because you've you've climbed the mountaintop and you've won a Super Bowl with him behind you, so to me that is exactly the kind of continuity that they're going to need to keep over the next year in order to be a successful franchise. To have to reevaluate all three coordinator positions is far too much work, in my opinion. And Raheem has the ability to be a head coach. He's yeah. getting he's getting interviews to be it's like that's a massive massive load off of McVay's shoulders if he can bring in another two guys in coordinator positions that have the ability to be a head coach, which is a lot of the time special teams coordinators. If a coach gets fired, they're the interim head coach. If McVay got fired this year, Joe D. Camillus was going to step up and, and be the head coach of this team four months before he gets, he gets released from the roster. Well, right. So. I thought there was a, um, there was a report that came out that Raheem, if McVay were to step down, Raheem would have been given the head coaching duties. Okay. Interesting. So, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And you would, you would assume that Raheem would have been the interim head coach over Joe D. Camillus regardless. But McVay was never going to get fired. So but McVay was never going to get fired. Exactly. Yeah. But Aaron Donald, like keeping somebody like Eric Henderson on the roster, keeping Jalen Ramsey happy, 
and appeased, keeping Bobby Wagner happy with the kind of defensive coordinator and, and the, the situation that he signed to be a part of, right? Like mm -hmm. without Raheem, it's a, it's a much, how do you even know if that is sold into Bobby Wagner if Raheem Morris isn't there? If it's a different defensive coordinator who they didn't win the Super Bowl with, you know, maybe Bobby Wagner's decision goes elsewhere. So I think we're underestimating the value of Raheem Morris and what he means to the players. I think yeah. all fans do that. And I think that the relationship with Jalen Ramsey is so incredibly important because I don't think that there's a lot of coordinators, head coaches, people around the league that would get along with Jalen Ramsey if he was as outspoken as he consistently is. So, right. And I also think Ramsey likes to kind of stir things up a little bit and have a little drama fun on Twitter mm -hmm. um, because I think he's seeing that people are like, yeah, you know, trade him. Like, let, let's see what we can, what we can yeah. get in down here. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think it's your mistake if you get rid of me. Right. Yeah. I don't think I'm, I'm going back on my take that, that we should get rid of get, that No, we, we can't, get rid we of can't, can't get rid of them. I, no. yeah, when you talk about like players that you're going to potentially get rid of, like the, the sad reality of the off season and, and unrestricted free agents is guys like Greg, Greg Gaines, right? Like he recently completed a, uh, a labral and bicep tendon repair from Dr. Neil at L. Tucker. Sound like such an idiot trying to pronounce that name, but it's the same guy. You just said from a doctor. Yeah. I just could have just said from a doctor, but it's the same doctor who repaired Tom Brady's ACL who repaired Odell Beckham Jr.'s ACL. It's the, the Rams team doctor and he's one of the best in the entire league. So it, I felt it was warranted to name him, but he suffered the injury in training camp and played with it all this season. It's about a two month recovery. It's only 26 years old, not expected to have any limitations this off season, but considering the fact that he played through that throughout the entire year is, does that mean that he's priority to bring him back next to Aaron Donald next season? If you're then losing a Sean Robinson, like he, I think he then becomes more of a priority to bring back. Yeah. I, I I think he is a priority to come back, particularly because he played through um, an injury pretty much all season. They reported. Uh, I don't know why he would do that though, especially when like after seeing how our season was going, uh, I would have definitely stepped down and been like, "I'm going to wait well, until next year." But so here's the I thing: I guess for his own market, yeah, yeah, you're a free agent, right? Like you yeah. have to potentially look at opportunities beyond the Rams, and if you know, right. he's out for the entire year. That could affect his pay for the next four years. So you kind of have to be battle tested and, and fight through it. The other situation is Nick Scott, right? So, and another thing when it comes to compensatory picks, former seventh round pick, I think this is a guy that all Rams fans, if they had the option and money wasn't an, an, an a thing, it wasn't an object, he would be somebody that is absolutely back on this roster. Seventh round pick, initially a special teams contributor and the team Potentially, right? If he signs with somebody else, the Rams would potentially get a third round comp pick or a fourth round comp pick if he signs with another team. And that's the cycle of this league. Like you can't afford to pay everybody. Hopefully you could draft somebody of his caliber. They drafted Quinton Lake last year. They drafted Russ East last year in the sixth and seventh rounds. So that could be a guy that unfortunately is gone. I think he played 64 of his 66 games that, that he was able to play in throughout his four-year career. Yeah, like an important special teamer in his first two seasons. And then we got a chance to play in his third year. He was awesome. Turned into a starting role in the fourth season. Right, remember the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, how great he was and knocked out Debo Samuel. So is is that somebody that you'd prioritize in bringing back, knowing that you have depth at that position? 
Personally, yeah, I would. I mean, he was a huge contributing factor to that Super Bowl team. He stepped up what when we needed him. Um, and I know he kind of suffered a little bit with injuries this year, but I think a healthy Nick Scott is one of our best options. I just think he gets paid. Like, I think he gets paid like somewhere else. I think I, I can see that happening in the Rams being like, we're going to offer you this. If you get more, then, you know, do what's best for you. We obviously want you here, but we can't, you know, break the bank to keep you here. So, well, and that's the benefit of having a restricted free agent like John Wolford, right? Like if somebody, <laughs> somebody offers John Wolford five years, 25 million, the Rams have the opportunity to potentially match that, but because they're unrestricted free agents like Scott and like Greg Gaines, they get that offer. The Rams have, they could try to match it, but there's no requirement to do so. If he gets a better offer, better deal, probably similar to the Darius Williams situation where that market's going to be good. And if he can get paid, he's going to go elsewhere. Seventh round pick, you know, potentially making money in this league. The Rams can't offer him the same amount. So, mm -hmm. It's just two like, things I was so right about whenever somebody talks about John Wolford is him and Jerichoff, and I just can't not think of it. I just, <laughs> so he did that 2020 season when everybody was like, he's so much better. He's such a, he, he deserves to be a starter somewhere. No, absolutely ridiculous. But you could argue that Sean McVay was trying to prove to the league that he could be a starter elsewhere so that you could get picks back for, uh, for him leaving. Hmm. But he you know? can't be. I don't think he proved that. You become, a, you become a trade candidate, right? You move him and you move Goff and you bring in Stafford. Oh, well, yeah. I guess in 2020, yeah. But like now, it's like... Oh, no, no. Nobody would touch Wolford now. Long, long gone. He might not be in the league in a couple of years, unfortunately. Yeah. So there's that. And then the upcoming draft picks I want to talk about. Les Sneed, yesterday, I think it was, news broke that after factoring in compensatory picks, the Rams are projecting that they're going to have 10 draft picks this year although most will be on day three. So I just want to show this real quick and do the screen share, John, again. Here we go. Give me one second. Share screen. Okay, cool. You got it. So 2022. Yep, 2022. Bruss, Durant, Kyron, Lake, Kendrick, Hardy, Yeast, AJ, Curie. Okay, that's the the... The jury is still out on this draft class. If you could find a way to go back to 2017 and have the same type of draft in terms of success, Gerald Everett, Cooper Cup, John Johnson, Gerald, Josh Reynolds, Samson Ebukam, Tenzel Smart, Sam Rogers, Ejuan Price, you have one, two, three, four, five starters in the league from that draft class. Crazy. So that's potentially where you want to be in terms of you're not going to draft a, most likely not going to draft a receiver high in the third round, but John Johnson is a safety. Like the draft's going to look a little bit different, but my point is, is that you have to be able to hit on that amount of players with 10 comp picks. You can hit on five and potentially bring them back, you know, throughout yeah. the next four years and make them a part of your core. You have one or two of those guys become your core in the next couple of years. You're in a really good situation. This draft class is a little bit more interesting. 2019 rap Henderson, long Evans Gaines, Edward Scott, Dakota Allen. Like this is the class that's all becoming free agents this year. All unrestricted free agents. Taylor Rapp, do you bring him back? Daryl no. Henderson, already not on the team. David Long, you definitely don't bring him back. Bobby Evans, was already cut. <laughs> Greg Gaines, maybe that's your one guy. David Edwards, maybe there's two there. And then Nick Scott. 
can you pay him? Can you afford to bring him back? Um, so Cody Allen. Like, it's funny. While all those names are now like no longer on the team and vanished, essentially, almost all of them were a contributing factor in the Super Bowl run. Yeah. So, so they definitely served their purpose. Besides one, I don't even know if I don't think Bobby Evans was. Well, he, I guess he played some games that season when we had some some injuries. Yeah, I, mean, I was referring to specifically like the Super Bowl itself. But yeah, no. Well, yeah. So Henderson, Rap, Long. Mm-hmm. Long right. had the uh, the interception against the Cardinals in the wild card round, which really kind of exploded the Rams' team that for throughout the the playoffs. Yeah. Edwards started, right? Nick Scott, huge play in the championship game, huge play in the in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And my point is, you have to be able to hit on four or five guys this year. You really yeah. have to be able to find one or two that could be a part of your core, and one or two or three that can be a supplemental player that you could eventually rise into Nick Scott status, into Greg Gaines status, right? Where you're going to be garnering some potential opportunities with other teams, but you also have the potential to be able to bring them back as a starter the next year. Right. So we shall see. I'm looking forward to it, man. We're going to have a fun offseason together. Yes, we have a awesome offseason upcoming. The divisional round is going to be a lot of fun this weekend. Championship round next weekend. Super Bowl on February 12th. President's Day. Why haven't they matched that up yet so that we could have off on Monday after the Super Bowl? Got to figure that out. Regardless, this is what we got. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys. Peace. Go Rams. Go Rams. Go Cowboys. (laughs) (laughs) Peace.